welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And one of our goals on this podcast is to help every one of you become, this year, a better theologian. Now, we got caught. I'm just going to say it. We got caught with our, our pants around our ankles last year, okay, when it came to this, all the COVID stuff. And we had race stuff. We had COVID stuff. We had political stuff. And many of us didn't have biblical theologies of politics. We didn't understand a lot of the biblical theology of race. We didn't understand. We didn't, under, we didn't understand a lot of the concepts. We didn't have a biblical worldview. And so when we got hit with all of these issues, Many of us just hunkered down and just tried to outlast it. And I get that, but think of it like this. You're out in the ocean. You were having a good time. You weren't paying attention, and wham, you got slammed by a big old wave, right? You got knocked off your feet. You're discombobulated. You got twisted all around. You stand up. You can breathe easy. Whew, oh, feels good. That's where we are right now, okay? That's where we are right now. We got through COVID. We got through another election cycle. We got through some of the, the race issues and the, and the race riots and the Derek Chauvin trial. <clears throat> but now is not the time to go, whoo, sweet, awesome. Because guess what? Another wave's coming. Mm. Another wave's coming. So now is the time to dig into our Bibles, now is the time to read some more books. Now is the time to educate ourselves because in a year and a half, another election is coming. Yeah. <laughs> and if you thought the last one was crazy, <clears throat> my prediction <clears throat> is the next one is going to be just as crazy because, you know, we can hardly trust the last election. What's to say? What's going to change? Why are we going to trust the next election, right? Mm-hmm. So things are going to get crazy. So we need to do some work. And a lot of that work has to do with just understanding the doctrines of God, understanding doctrine, understanding systematic theology, understanding who God is, who we are, and what our greatest problem is in life, and what our problems, and what's our solutions. So my man got here. Come on in, buddy. And so what we're going to do is we're going to work through, it looks like probably three. I'm going to try to get to three. We're going to get to three of these um, articles on chapter nine in the Westminster Confession of Faith. All of these are on free will. So this should be a fun topic to discuss. Um, we've got some guests with us today. We've got some off mic and some on mic. <clears throat> some just kept coming into hanging out with us. Uh, but I, I'll go ahead and let you guys introduce yourself that are on mic. How's it going, guys? I'm Alex Tate. Um, I also just want to give a shout-out. I don't know if we could do shout-outs on the podcast, but just like uh, Sacred City Church as a whole, it was Staff Appreciation Month, and you guys just did a great job just kind of loving on all the staff and with all the cards and everything and um, just the the crew that was putting that all together. Just want to thank you guys for doing that because it was really loving and gracious. Awesome. I'm Joel Bickford, Deacon of Worship. I'm Kevin Knorr, Pastoral Assistant. There we go. And you know me. All right, we're going to jump into this Westminster Confession of Faith on free will. This is going to be some good stuff to talk about. Um, We've got 
Let me go chapter 9, article 1. Okay? God hath endued the will of man with that natural liberty that it is, it is neither forced nor by any absolute necessity of nature determined good or evil. I'm going to read it again. God hath endued the will of man with that natural liberty that it is neither forced nor by any absolute necessity of nature determined good or evil. What do you thought, Kevin, what, you, what are your thoughts when you read that? Yeah, so I look at that and say, uh, looks like God has, or at least originally created man with the ability to choose um, pre-fall, and I think we get into that a little bit either, uh, a little bit later, but more specifically that, um, I mean, not forced by nature, so I think um, kind of the nature versus nurture, the things around you can't force you to sin. So what they're saying is they're calling it natural liberty, mm. right? Natural liber- liberty. They're not necessarily saying free will, like you have free will. But we, we, we would say that that's, that's free will, yeah, right? Sure. So this, this is saying God has given the will, hath endued the will of man with that natural liberty that it is neither forced nor by any absolute necessity of nature determined good or evil. So... <clears throat> This, most, most people here, this is going to, I think right now we're going to be like, okay, no, no big deal, right? This sounds pretty, pretty good. Do we have any scriptures to back this up? Yeah, Matthew 17, 12. You got that one? I got James 1, 14 while you're looking up that. James 1, 14 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Desire. And then, I got it. Uh, Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but, but did to him whatever he, they please. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. So they did whatever they pleased. Mm-hmm. Okay. So immediately we, we see that this is, well, let me just tell you this. I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but <clears throat> this is contrary to what our society believes right now. Mm-hmm. Our society, much of our society believes in what could be called scientific determinism, mm-hmm. that you are determined, your outcome is determined by either your DNA it could be you're determined by your upbringing, much of um, the debates today. So it's a born this way type of argument. Well, we we're born that way. You're born that way. So if you're born that way, it can't be wrong, mm-hmm. right? And uh, scripture says that God created the will of man with a natural liberty that is neither forced nor by any absolute necessity of nature determined good or evil. So they were created with a freedom of the will to choose to do either do good or to choose to do evil, mm. okay? Now, here's where things are going to get a little dicey for us, okay? Let me go on to Article 2. Most of you might already know where this is headed. Man, in his state of innocency, had freedom and power 
to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God, but yet mutably so that he might fall from it. Okay, so it's saying that God gave Adam and Eve a freedom of the will that they could choose. They were in a state of innocency, so they, they didn't have what we would call now, they didn't have original sin affecting them. Mm. They didn't have a natural proclivity towards sinning, that they had a freedom um, and a power to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God. Okay, so they had a will that, was, um, that wasn't bent towards evil. Mm. Okay, but yet mutably so that they might fall from it. So it, was, it wasn't immutable, unchangeable. Their will could be changed. If they were to choose evil, their will would now be changed mm. and bent towards evil. Okay? So in this sense, we say that Adam and Eve are the only humans in the history of mankind who had a true free will. Do we have some scriptures to back that up? Yeah. So Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. See this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. So God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes, mm -hmm. okay? <clears throat> now listen, this is what R.C. Sproul says about this doctrine. He says, if there is any place where secular humanism has undermined a biblical view of human nature, it's with respect to the idea of free will. Mm -hmm. The prevailing view of free will in the secular culture is that human beings are able to make choices, excuse me, without being encumbered by sin. In this view, our wills have no predisposition either towards evil or towards righteousness, but remain in a neutral state from birth. Mm. Okay, so theologically speaking, we say the only people who ever had free will were Adam and Eve, mm. right? And they used their free will to choose evil, which brought sin into the world, Right? And so everyone since Adam and Eve has been affected by what we call the fall, right? Can I ask a question? Yeah. The thing that, I, that that's stopping me up here is, so Genesis 3.22 says this, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. This is after they ate of the fruit. So how could... What's the question? It's like... <laughs> I don't know what you're going to ask. <laughs> yeah, because he's become like one of us. Now they know, because they ate of the fruit, now they know good and evil. So how could they have this free will to choose good and evil if, if before they ate the fruit? Does that... Does it make sense? No. I, I haven't heard a question yet. I'm the, asking. The, the question is, how, do, how does this line up with what the Westminster is saying? Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Keep reading. Now lest he reach out his hand and, and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. 
So he eats, he eats, they eat the fruit, their eyes become open to good and evil. So how did pre that, pre them eating the fruit, how, how could they be, have free will to choose good and evil? Okay, so... Because uh, they didn't know it. Because they didn't... No, 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 no. So soon as Adam... You're... Okay, remember, the one, that word knowing is an intimacy word. That you're, okay. you're thinking intellectual okay. knowledge. Okay. It's not intellectual knowledge. After... So when, when he said you can eat of any tree in the garden, of this one tree you can't eat... That's all they needed to know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all they needed to know. In, okay. that, in, the, in the sense you're taking that text, they already knew the difference between good and evil right there. Here's good. You can eat of every tree. Yeah. Okay. Of this one tree, you can't eat. They knew it was wrong. But then what did she do? She chose to trust her own. Well, she was tempted by the devil. She chose to trust her own instincts. Oh, it looks good. It looks like it'll be helpful. I'm going to eat this tree. So she trusts her own intellect mm-hmm. over God's revealed wor- word to her, right? Yeah. God's, yeah. God's word. And then she eats said apple gives it to her husband, and now I know, remember like Adam knew his wife? Like there's an intimacy now. Mm. Now I feel what it feels like to have, here it is, a will that's not neutral, Mm. but a will now that is actually bent towards Mm. evil. Super helpful. That's helpful. Okay? Yeah. And and then God in his mercy, and he says, we're going to have to kick him out of the garden so they don't eat eat of the tree of life because they would be forever in that, they would live forever in that state of temptation. Mm. That st- Now their will is pulled towards the evil and pulled towards the good at the same time. And that's kind of like hell on earth. Mm-hmm. It's like the, you know, the primordial story of the, the, the vampire, right? Mm-hmm. Who has mm-hmm. the most miserable existence because he lives forever in a world where there's still death and he watches everything around him die and mm-hmm. yet he has to live forever. Yeah. That would have been the story of Adam and Eve if God in his mercy didn't, kick them out of the garden and, and let them die, even though they lived to, you know, however, ni- however many hundreds of years. Yeah. It was still a mercy that he, that he yeah. let them die and then receive a new, a new, new creation body mm-hmm. in, the, in the future. Yeah. Okay? Cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> let me read this to In a word, Reformed <laughs> theology categorically rejects fatalism and any determinism mm-hmm based upon the forces of nature. We are not coerced by or forced by natural causes or by our environment either to do good or evil. This is, uh, um, I'm going to say, those on the political leaning, those on the left and, and, and in our liberal culture today, they, they put too much weight on society, on culture, on neighborhoods, on basically you are either scientifically you are your genetic makeup or on the other side you are you're a result of the culture like they they, basically we don't have any personal responsibility for our own actions we become it's like if, if we're raised in this part of town we're naturally going to take on certain things now are we influenced by our surroundings yes absolutely we are influenced that is one influence but it's not um, a totalizing influence. This is how you have guys that grow up in, you know, the ghetto of ghettos and they grow up and they go to college and they get PhDs and they, and they get out of it and they overcome it. Well, what happened there? If we're all just, just a result of the culture that we grew up in, then that doesn't make sense. That can't happen, mm. right? 
And so the Bible says you're not just determined by your DNA. Mm. You're not just determined by your race. You're not just determined by your socioeconomic background. You're not just determined by your, the neighborhood you grew up in, whether you had unbelieving parents or, or believing parents, that there is a sense in us where we have the ability to make to take personal responsibility and, and make some choices, okay? And, so, and that, that, that comes from being made in the image of God mm-hmm. and having freedom of the will, even though we're about to learn that freedom has been bent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so in that, would you say that the culture actually limits, while, while trying to, quote, break the chains and, and let everyone be free and, oh, these factors are keeping you down and just push past them, would you say that things like that like, uh, oh, you have to fight the neighborhood you grew up in and all that is more limiting. Or saying, I guess, um, like nature versus nurture. Oh, well, you're like that because of your DNA mm-hmm. is putting more of a limitation on people than God does or not. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the most damning philosophies in the world is anything that takes away our personal responsibility. Mm. If I, if I th- come to think of myself if the system around me and everything around me is, is, I cannot overcome it, I cannot push through it, I cannot take control of my own life, then it's demoralizing mm. and it traps, you in, it traps you into a system. So I think it's a terrible philosophy, yeah. political philosophy. Um, but I understand why they push it because it, 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 convenient, it conveniently runs parallel with their ideas of sexuality. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, it turns it into a virtue, honestly. It's a strange virtue to... Yeah, it, I guess it would turn the, you know, the, the kid who had a rough upbringing, keep pushing them into that. You, you live in a tough neighborhood, don't let go of that. Actually, that, 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 that makes you virtuous. It's like mm. a virtue in and of itself. Instead of the virtue being kind of what you're saying, actually, you're not just a product of your upbringing or these things you can actually the virtue would be to overcome those things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and in a sense it's not this is how this is weird we've been talking about this a lot lately you get the same thinking when someone says um i know if they're a female if they're biological female i know that i'm a man Mm. how do you know that there's not scientific determinism Mm. it's not your culture determining it. Now it's yourself. Like, and you're, you're trapped in a prison of yourself. And so now <clears throat> you, you basically don't even have a choice. You know, it's something inside of you that's wanting to get out of you. It's very, it's very strange. Hmm. And so, th- so that's why there's like things being mandated in our society right now, which is called, they call it conversion therapy. But basically any psychologist, any psychiat- psychiatrist, if a person says, I believe if a biological female says, I believe that I'm a man trapped in a, in a female body, that psychiatrist cannot say, are you sure about that? Cannot say, um, what's your proof? What's your evidence? They're called to affirm that belief. So this is what's so bizarre. I feel a certain way and I'm going to a doctor and I'm telling the doctor how I feel. And the doctor all he can do is affirm what yeah. I feel. Wow. That's like me going to doc, Dr. Lyons and saying, you know, I th- well, let me just say, I, like, I think I have low testosterone. Give me testosterone. And him going, okay. okay. Mm. Without doing any yeah. tests. No, no biological test, nothing. 
I'm just going and telling him what's wrong with me. And the only thing he can say to me is, okay, what do you want? Testosterone, here you go. And that's what's actually taking place right now. And with the Biden administration, what we just found out, they talk, they're talking about transgender health rights. What they mean by that is if a biological female goes to her psychiatrist and says, I feel like a man and I want testosterone, then he can prescribe her testosterone at 12 or 13 years old without parental involvement. Mm. She can get it at school mm. without parental involvement. Mm. It's freaking bizarre. Yeah. And, and that will... When, as, soon as, you, she, as soon as she takes starts taking testosterone, she cannot become a man, but she will be a more masculinized, fi, masculine mm-hmm. feminine, f- female, and she will start growing facial hair. She will start, her body, the, the fat on her body will start being stored in different places. Girls store their fat around their hips. Guys store it around their belly. Mm-hmm. That'll start changing. Her bone structure on her face will change. This is self-mutilation, and she can never turn it back, even though 80%, 80% of teenagers who feel... Uh, like they're trapped in a different body, grow out of it after after puberty and stuff. Hmm. So are you saying like a doctor can't like challenge a person's thoughts or how they legally feel? some of them will will do it. Hopefully Christians will do it, but they might get their they might get their license revoked. But yes, that it's illegal to now because they can prescribe them the wrong medicine, right? If that there is no such thing as the wrong medicine in this transgender craze because it's not based in science. I feel like a man, so I want you to get me the hormones to make me feel more like a man and that's what's being promoted right now it's being shoved down doctors throats where if you're a christian doctor then you're and you're refusing to do that if this all gets passed and goes through you could be you could lose your license right crazy how do we get off on that it's crazy (laughs) i think the connection would be free will is very i mean it's kind of a dangerous i i mean idea doctrine Mm -hmm. um Okay, yes. This is why. Let me read the next one. Article three. Man, by his fall into a state of sin, hath wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. Big words there. Wholly lost all ability of will to any. You see the totalizing aspects there. Yeah. To any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as a natural man being altogether averse from that good and dead in sin is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a lot of big words. Here's what it's saying. After Adam and Eve fell into sin, he wholly lost all ability to obey God perfectly. To even will and desire the good. He lost that. So now in his will, he now wills, he now desires to sin and now he desires to obey God. There's like like a dividing a dividing of the will, right? There's the will is now divided towards wickedness and goodness. And all of his children From then on, so all of us, as born, as natural men and women, being altogether averse from that is good and dead in sin, is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto. All right, so what this is saying is, first off, it's setting up the radical nature of the gospel, Hmm. that no one 
wants God mm. yeah. in, the natu- in the natural man. We're not a bunch of like God seeker, born into the world God seekers, and we're eventually going to find our way to God. God. It's setting up this thing. God has to come and get us. God has to open our eyes, give us the desires of our heart to actually pursue him and, and come after him. Do we have some scriptures for that? Yeah, Romans 8, 7 is great. It says, uh, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, mm. for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Okay, that's the law we were all born with, or that's the mind we were all born with, a mind that is hostile to God, yeah. okay? So this is why Christians, when someone says something like, I know that I'm, uh, a, a biological female says, I know that I'm a man. Mm. We can't just jump in there with them and go, okay, well, whatever makes you happy. Because there, we have a mind and a will that is hostile to God. We want things that, and by the way, all of God's law is the good life. It leads to the human flourishing. It mm. leads to the kingdom of God. So anything that doesn't promote the kingdom of God is a sin, yeah. right? And anything that's against God's law is bad for the kingdom of God and it's bad for us. So when, when we're saying no, that might be, here's a big term, the noetic effects of the fall, mm. okay? Noetic has to do with our thinking, how we know things. Our mind is bent. We desire sin. We desire things that are bad for us, right? <clears throat> and, um, and then our will chooses to follow that, mm. right? We know something is sin. We know it's sin, but our will chooses it, and it chooses to, to disobey God, <clears throat> And so we have to recognize that there's some, there's some, our minds have been bent towards sin. And so there's some things that we're going to want to do and desire to do that we must resist. We must go against our will in that sense and say, no, I want what God, even though I don't understand why this would be bad or why this would be you know, wrong for me to do, I'm going to obey God because I, I have the humility to understand that my thinking has even been, been bent. Mm. So just when, when God says something, I can't do something, I'm not going to go, well, pff, that's dumb. I don't see any reason why I can't do it. I'm going to do it anyways. Mm. I'm going to trust God that God knows best, and I'm not going to do it. And so for the biological female who feels like a man, I'm going to say something like, I realize that those feelings can be really strong, and yet there is no way you can't do anything to make yourself a man. And so that's going, if that's, if that's really how it is, then you're going to have that, you might have that struggle for the rest of your life if God doesn't bring some deliverance and healing in that area. But what might be going on is she's just twisted up in her mind Mm -hmm. about what an actually woman is. Mm -hmm. There's one, when, when I grew up, you guys probably don't know about this, but when, when I grew up, there were tomboys. Right. And tomboys were girls that didn't fit the cultural mode of being the girl. She could wrestle you in the playground. She could hit a homer over the fence. She could do all these things. And yet, she still wanted to go to prom. She still wore a dress for prom. She still enjoyed going to prom. She still wanted to get married. She still wanted to go. She still wanted to, you know, and I know some that I graduated with. They were, you know, they had biceps. They could outlift guys. And now they've got three, four kids. And she was just a tomboy. It's not a big deal. Well, now the cultural narrative is there's no such thing as tomboys. You're a man or you're a lesbian and you just need to come out of the closet and embrace who you are. It's like, no, that is so 
superficial and stereotypical. It's all based on stereotypes. Mm. Like if you're not some dainty little princess, Miss Pris, somehow you're on the gender spectrum or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's ridiculous. So how do you, um, for the listener, how do you enter into some of these conversations lovingly, especially in a culture that says, oh, well, if you challenge, quote, my truth, then you hate me. Yeah. Well, this is going to be, this might be hard to hear. I think first we have to be willing to not give a crap. And I have to say that because the truth is more important because there's a lot of people watching, Mm. okay? So first, the truth is more important. We've got to be able to draw the line in the sand. We've got to be able to say, we we can't be participants in this cultural chaos that's going on right now. So does that depend on, like, the depth of the relationship? Or you just, you know, kind of just spit the truth at just whoever? Well, like right now. I don't know who's listening. I don't know what. I'm just spitting the truth, right? I want, and and we've all got to have that. We've got to have the truth. We've got to see black and white. But as if I'm, if someone's sitting across from me and they're talking to, telling me about these struggles, I'm not just going to go, well, hey, you're wrong, blah 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 blah. I'm going to do everything that we we talk about doing. I'm going to listen to their story, but I'm going to do it with compassion. Yeah while pointing them back to the truth. Yeah. I'm not going to do it with empathy that just gives over into their impulses. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so that's the key. I think right now, I think there's, there's, there, we're always, you could fall off the horse on both sides, but we can't lose truth. We can't lose natural law. We can't use reality. I think where some people get lost is like, oh, I want to love this person. Well, then you love them, and some of them get caught in the sinking sand, and they're going down with them. Yeah. But also, like, the more you love them and the deeper the relationship, the truth has to come to a stand, and you have to be yeah. able to walk uh-huh. that out. So a mom a, a mom who's lost in empathy, her daughter, biological daughter, comes to her and says, I'm, I'm a male, inside. She takes her to a psychiatrist. The male affirms that belief, puts her on testosterone. She's 12 years old. She's on testosterone. She's on testosterone for four years. Th- this is a true story. Then she realizes, oh, crap, I was confused. Mm. I didn't know. And now she looks more masculine. She's, <clears throat> she might not ever be able to have conceived children right. because, I mean, that's the biological repercussions of taking male hormones at that young age. If you, if you hadn't, mm. I think it's, if it's pre, pre, pre-puberty, there's a large chance that she'll never have kids. Um, she'll be sterile or whatever it's called. I forgot what it's yeah, called. Sterile. sterile. <clears throat> also, she's got a higher risk of, um, of tumors and cancer. Mm. And then she realizes she, then she, here's, here it is, Tate. Then she goes back to mom mm. and she says, mom, why did you let me do this? Yeah. Now, listen, here's the questions she could ask. Mom will be, cause I loved you. Mm-hmm. So I gave you what you wanted. That's not what parents do. Right. <laughs> and I think that's got a couple podcasts we were talking about before. I'm not saying we're blaming parents at any means. Um, but we're, Oh, no, I'd blame that parent. Well, yeah, I'd blame, yeah, well, blame that parent for well, not for parenting. Well, situ- for other situations, we're not, we're not blaming um, anyone at this point in time, but for that situation, yeah. But at the same time, like the, the parents got to be aware of what's going on in the culture and be aware of what's going on so that they can be able to 
be able to line up the truth of what yeah. is, is is going on instead of just agreeing and yeah. saying this is okay this is how you feel okay let's let's do how whatever you feel so that you can you know get back into regular rhythms yeah. of teenagers yeah and a parent could go that could go the opposite way at 12 years old she comes in you're an idiot you're not man and she just totally dismisses it right and that just pushes the ball down the field and maybe she does it when she goes to college there's a way to engage yeah. compassionately and yet still have rules and still say nope I know you're confused I know you're frustrated. I know you feel yep. weird in your body. And yet this is the truth of God and this is the truth of reality. And just chasing that thing and taking those hormones will not make you feel more like a man. Right. Because you won't ever be a man. Yeah. There's nothing you can do on this earth that will make you a man. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Okay. And so anyways, I'm 16, she, that girl looks back at mom and says, why didn't you love me, mom? Yeah. Because love, loving me would have told me no. Mm-hmm. Loving me would have told me no and would have went against my will. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I feel like parents think that's the easy way out by just agreeing or just, you know, stuffing it and pushing it aside. And, I mean, I think that's what it's good that you um, you should be living in community where if you don't know these things, you could be able to ask questions and, you know, get around people that can help you walk this out instead of just, you know, pushing it to the side or, or falling into the trap of how that person feels. There was a, an article in First Things magazine by Christian Smith. He's a leading sociologist um, and he also is a Christian and he just did a thing of what basically top three things that parents can do <clears throat> to ensure that their kids are, uh, grow up Christian. Mm-hmm. And it was actually four things. The first one was like, you got to be a Christian first. You got to live it. You got to really be engaged. Mm-hmm. It's got to be more than just you check a box on Sunday. But one of the things was <clears throat> you have an authoritative yet warm parenting style. So you set, you have high expectations, you set clear boundaries, Mm -hmm. you lay the law down, but you're, you have a warm style. So it, it compared authoritative with authoritarian. Authoritarian Mm -hmm. is high demand and low warmth. Mm -hmm. It's just obey the rules and then I'll love you. This is, I love you. So obey the rules, but, uh, but I'm putting rules. And it said one of Basically, if you have a laissez-faire parenting style, if you just let your kids do what they want and you, you just want to be a friend to them, then it's high, it's high likely that they will not be Christians when they, when they grow up. Yeah. Knowing you're their friend, they don't, don't even respect you because, yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, you're supposed to be my parent, you know, and then you're trying to be my friend, you mm-hmm. know. My friend agrees with what I'm saying, so yeah. So anyways, so now, now after the fall, we're born... Um, we're born in sin, okay? And so it takes something from outside of us mm. to um, heal us, right? To, to save us. <clears throat> Here's how Augustine said it. He says, in creation, we were both, and I'm going to use some Latin terms here, passe peccare, which means we were able to sin, yeah. and passe non peccare, we were able not to sin. So Adam and Eve, they were able, they could have lived forever without sinning. After the fall, we continued to be able to sin, passe peccare, but we lost the power or ability not to sin, passe non peccare. We were left in what Augustine called a state of moral inability. So now we take this for granted. When people say, oh man, you know, nothing's perfect. Why do people say that? It's an excuse. Hey man, I'm, I'm I'm only human. I'm only human. What does that mean? I'm only human. You, when I say that, I'm only human, what am I saying? It's not my fault. We have flaws. 
I got flaws, okay? Technically, that should not be a normal human trait. That's a result of the fall. That's not, that's not how Adam and Eve were created. So we should be able to obey God perfectly. We should be able to live the perfect life, right? But we are not because of our sinful nature, okay? That's where, that's where we're at in, in our life. So is this for Christians and non-Christians, or is this only for the Christian ears? So everyone is born in a state of sin, okay? Everyone needs something outside of themselves to, to save them. Once you become a Christian, now you have what's called a dual nature. Paul talks about the old man and the new man. We're told in the New Testament to feed the new man and to starve the old man. This is why, you know, Christian men and women shouldn't, they should be... Feeding on the word, feasting on the word of God, and not feasting on pornography, and not feasting on Cardi B, and not feasting on um, materialism, and not feasting on. Because when you're feasting on those things, you're feeding the old man. So it's when you feed the old man, what happens? The old man come out. And what does that mean? Sin. Yeah, you're, it's going to be easier to sin, right? It's going to be easier to sin. So are all those things bad things, or is it a moderation thing? It depends on your spiritual maturity. I would say they're they're questionable things for sure. Some of that pornography, yes, bad. Yeah, for sure. And some of that sure. stuff is going to be questionable. But um, there's some of that stuff that, like, let's just say theoretically, like Cardi B, you could listen to it edited. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which basically makes it into the instrumental version. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good beat, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is an expensive one, right? <clears throat> so Christians have to feed the new man through going to church, through faith and repentance, through reading Bibles, through reading the books, through reading good Christian books, through Christian community, on and on. That's how we feed the new man. Um, and that's why it's so important because a lot of the times we're feeding the old man at work, we're feeding the old man watching TV, we're feeding the old man every day. Mm-hmm. And so if we're only coming to church an hour and a half a week, then that new man is going to be you know, shriveled up and weak. And that old man, every time the temptation comes to sin, the old man is just going to trounce the new man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so the uh, Sproul says, the whole Christian battle is a battle of the will. It's a battle to overcome a will that by nature is bent in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So that's what sanctification is. Sanctification is a battle of my will. I want my will, my will's bent towards sin. I want my will to be bent towards true north, which is obedience to God and the kingdom of God, mm. right? And so I've got to be fighting. We say it around here. I've said it a lot. I've got to be keeping my neck on the old man, right? Foot. My foot. foot. On, foot I'm on, sorry, on, foot on the neck. Yeah. I'm sorry. Keeping my foot on the neck of the old man. That's what I've got to be doing, yeah. yeah. So now, so we've already kind of set this up. If we're born into sin, what's it going to take um, to bring us out? Just, can somebody look up John six sixty five? I don't know if we've got that one. Somebody look up John sixty sixty five. What's it going to take to change our will? We said it's going to take something from outside of us, but Jesus says specifically. John six sixty five. 
And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Okay, go to 644, too. 644. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay. So, Jesus here teaching. We will, we'll, we'll get to this in a whole section. It's called effectual calling, mm. that God is going to, that the only reason people come to faith, it's not because, quote, unquote, they had a Christian parent. It's not because uh, they one day woke up and realized, I need to be a better person. My mm-hmm. life sucks. They did not earn their way into becoming a Christian. The only reason anyone gets a new heart is because God, the Father, draws him. Now, this is interesting. Many people think that this drawing is like this simple kind of <clears throat> wooing, like putting a carrot in front of his face and getting him over in this direction, right? Mm-hmm. But the same word, the same Greek word, is, is used in Acts 16, 19, when um, the men of Philippi dragged Paul and Silas before the authorities for casting out an evil spirit of the slave girl. Mm-hmm. So it's the same word of, that you would put a basket down into a well, and then you would draw water out of the well. You're not calling the water. Here, water, here, water, come here, come here. You're not like tempting the water. You're dragging the water out. So the word is literally, God, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And before you can believe anything, before you can do anything, God reaches down into your mess and he drags you out of it. And he gives you a new heart. He gives you a heart that now wants him. And then out of that heart that wants him, you choose him. Mm. You believe on him. Mm -hmm. You put your faith in him. So this is because the Holy Spirit has changed our will before we believed. This is the difference. This is what it means, quote unquote, to be Calvinistic, to believe, to be reformed. God, it's to believe the Bible. (laughs) But God changes our heart first. Yeah. No one can come to, no one can come to the Father. No one can come to the Father. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. Okay. Who who is that? No one. Not good little boys and girls. No one. Right. Yeah. God has to act first. <clears throat> All right. Mm. So. God can override. Our own will. And that's good news. Yeah. 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 That's good news. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, like, in what sense? So we, you just made it clear that in the matter of salvation and conversion and choosing God, we clearly do not have a free will. He gives us the will. He gives us. He gives us a freer will. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so... So this is what he's saying. Before you're converted, you cannot choose God. You can't. Can't do it. Physically can't. He is the highest good. So you can't choose ultimate good without God choosing you first. It's impossible. So what does it look like for you to continue to, I guess, choose that that good that that you're just saying, like, um, you know... What does that look like on a day-to-day basis, I guess you'd say? So that's that prideful selfishness doesn't continue to That's sanctification. To that's what we're talking about before. That's yeah. sanctification. That's that putting to death the old man, 
going to scripture and going, oh, I thought promoting myself and being really selfishly ambitious was a good thing. And now I read that it's not a good thing. Oh, I thought building my life on riches was a good thing. And now I realize I need to give away a lot of money to build the kingdom of God. I realize making disciples is very important. I need to build my life around making disciples. What does God say about my politics and immigration and all these things? I need to change my position on that. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like. Going back, uh, reformed and always reforming, going back to the word of God and being changed by it. And, and, And then my will going, I choose to obey God. I choose to live my life the way God's calling me to live, not the way the culture's telling me to live. Yeah, so it's like everything's in the Word of God, but it's, it's it's almost as if a lot of people don't want to see it the way it's written in the Word of God. Yeah, I mean, that's our old man. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too. I, th- I think there's a lot of true believers and Christians walking around, maybe with their own version of a determinant. How you say that deterministic view of God that. They, they are actually not aware of the fact that God has actually now given them this new will that that can now choose him and mm-hmm. choose his way and, cho- and choose to follow his commands. And so they're kind of like sitting around waiting because it's like, well, if I'm still just stuck in sin, God just hasn't, he hasn't given it to me yeah, yet. Yeah, that's a good point. So there's a lot of people that come to faith. Let's say young man lived a promiscuous life comes to faith he hears what i i can't look at pornography i can't masturbate i can't even have sex with my girlfriend well can i at least i can't do that either there's no way i could do this immediately he there's no way i could do this it's impossible to live a pure life it's impossible to live holy there's no way and we would have to say oh you've been given the holy spirit Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Yeah. Like, you're right. On, in your own strength, you can't do it. But with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be amazed, amazed at what you can do. And yeah, your new man might be pretty weak right now, but we're, we're about to put on mass. We're going, it's bulk season, baby. It's bulk <laughs> season on the new man. And we're going to lean into the word of God and lean into community. And we're going to help you fight this temptation. And you're going to grow. And you're going to mature. And so... That's what it means. It means growing. So the freedom of the will, Martin Luther talked about the bondage of the will. We're born with the bondage of the will, but the freedom of the will happens when the spirit comes into me to free me to now choose the good. Now I can actually choose the good. I can choose the kingdom of God over the kingdom of self. And that's actually what I actually want. I want the life that lasts forever. I want the new heavens and the new earth. I want the spirit of God in me. I want Jesus. And so now he gives me the ability to do what I couldn't do without myself. <clears throat> Any other questions on that? No. All right. First three articles on free will. We'll finish the next two next time. We hope this is helpful. If you guys got any questions, email me, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. We hope this encourages you to get in your scripture. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.